It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 313, Jesus and the Feast of Tabernacles, Part 2, and Jesus Heals the Blind Man. Believe it or not, we're still in the Feast of Tabernacles from uh, 29 AD. Uh, A couple episodes ago, Jesus uh, appeared at the Feast of Tabernacles preaching to everyone. Uh, The last episode was uh, Jesus and the Adulterous Woman. Uh, Now we're still in the Feast of Tabernacles, and it's beautiful how the book of John just tells these accounts. And I I really am just kind of, you know, starting to wonder. You look at the book of John, it has all these scenes in Jerusalem and and few in Galilee. It's almost as if, you know, some of those, you know, speculations that he was a a family member um, of those in the Sanhedrin or even the high priest himself, perhaps even had a job there. Um, There was something that drew him to Jerusalem to document these accounts that the disciples didn't document. Um, So there was a natural tie for him to have such exposure of Jesus in Jerusalem. What I find interesting is this Feast of Tabernacles, how it just continues um, and continues. Um, He used the traditional practices of these Jewish religious festivals to teach. Um, On the final day of the festival, the priest would present a special offering of water along with a drink offering. And that's, of course, when Jesus would say, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Uh, Further, he would say he from, you know, from Jesus is that rivers of living water um, identified as the Holy Spirit. There's a connotation there uh, that Jesus is the, you know, (laughs) further the bread of life. And um, you can you can drink from Jesus. The blood of Jesus later is there. So there's all these connotations of these t- these celebrations, how they actually tie into Jesus himself, and he doesn't deny it. In fact, he steps up into these moments of tradition and and exerts that they point to him. <laughs> so, like, you know, and that's that whole thing about Jesus always pointing to the Father, and the Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus, and that's just how it works. So, so there's a lot of dialogue. Um, as Jesus continues in the the Feast of Tabernacles, um, and and a lot of back and forth, you almost think that um, Jesus is arguing with them. You know, he speaks of his self witness, um, how the Father testifies of himself. Uh, he speaks these words in the treasury. Um, then he then he goes on. Actually, this is blow your mind. Uh, but in John eight uh, twenty eight, um, it says uh, just before that it says they did not understand him, and he spoke. To them of the Father. Then Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do these things that please Him. And as He spoke these words, many believed. (laughs) When you lift up the Son of Man, is what He said. That is a direct reference to later being lifted up on the cross. Um, it's, it's veiled language because no one's thinking, well, you know, only so many of them realize the Son of Man is Jesus. 
you know, when you lift up the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus himself, um, that's who he's referring to, uh, and that they would believe at that time. But uh, it's veiled language. They don't get, no one gets it. Um, but here it is, plain as day, after the fact, we go back and we say, he's talking about himself the whole time. Um, powerful language too, um, John eight thirty two, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. <laughs> that's, that's on t-shirts, um, that's on sermons. Um, it, it's Jesus speaking about the truth shall set you free. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus speaks about how he, um, you know, basically states that the Pharisees and those who are plotting to kill him are the seeds of Satan. Um, and, you know, it even goes so far as to say before Abraham was, I am. And when he does those things, they go crazy. And it says they pick up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. This is that scene that you've seen so many times where all of a sudden they go to kill him, and he just disappears. It's that that cloak moment, uh, that superhero cloak moment where the good guy's invisible or something like that. Um, you know, um, in the treasury says that they, um, no one laid hands on him for his hour had not yet come. So it's clearly obvious that uh, when Jesus will be tried and executed, um, it, it's by Jesus's timing. He could go invisible again. He could walk through their midst. He could do whatever he wants. Uh, but it's, it, he even says later that uh, my life is for mine to give up at the right time. And, and that's what Jesus is doing here. And we'll sort of fast forward to that real quick and then go back. Uh, John 10, 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. And this is what Jesus is speaking to, is that fact that um, he knows the hour and the time uh, that he's going to give his life. Um, as a sacrifice, but he, he gives his life into the hands of men to do as they've been pleasing and they've wanted to do for years. They couldn't do it until the door was open for evil to commit the sin that they have been wanting to commit. And and Jesus had all the timing. It was all it was all set in motion for Passover um, in so many so many years from now. All right, so we get to the blind man. Um, I love this story. It, oh, you know, the best evangelist is actually the one who just got saved. <laughs> I remember when I got saved and I was on fire. Um, you know, maybe, you know, there, there was this, the subtle saving. And, and then when you just, it, it, it resonates in your mind and your heart all at once. Then boom, you're like the best evangelist. Uh, but I remember it, was, it was, seemed like a slow burn for a long time as I was got free from sin and such. And but once, you know, it just the the fire went off in my heart and my mind, all all together at once. Um, it was hard not to tell people. <laughs> it was hard not to tell people that uh, what God has done. 
and that's the best evangelism is your testimony. I mean, we've gone to camps, we've gone to all types of groups, and what do they do? Tell us your testimony. And it's the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, uh, Revelation 19.10. If he did it for them, they'll do it for you. I mean, it's just, it's a story. I even heard the other day that um, a testimony is technically, when you say the testimony of what God has done, um, something about it in kind of the Hebrew language is, it's almost like, do it again. It's like a, um, there's a uh, blessing, call, call it that, call it a blessing to, for God to do it again, a blessing for God to do it again, you know, so if you hear a story of what God has done, do it again, <laughs> that's more, uh, more, it's closer to the root of the language um, of do it again, instead of just cool story, God did great things, no, it's like amazing, do it again. <laughs> and that's kind of how it works. So uh, John 9, 3. Jesus answered. Actually, let's go back. John 9, 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sent this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So, what does that mean? <laughs> um, there is cause and effect. You know, like if, if a man sins, um, unrepentant sin um, can open the door for all types of issues, physical, emotional, mental, whatever. You know, it's, uh, sin is the legal right um, for the devil to um, take something from you or to give you a consequence, or according to the law, if you sin, um, then you will have a consequence. This is Old Testament law. You will have a consequence unless there's a sacrifice or something done by the high priest, or if you bring the doves or, or wave offerings, or you participate in the, you know, the, the heifer or the sacrifice or any of those kind of things, that's how you take care of sin. That's the law. Now, Jesus, of course, fulfilled the law forever. Um, so, you know, he, he took care of sin for us if we're willing to accept it. If you're not willing to accept it and you're not living according to the law and you're not doing what it takes to replace or cover your sin, like the Old Testament is almost like it covered your sin while the New Testament um, does away with your sin, just eradicates it. Uh, the blood of Jesus will eradicate sin and shame and make you a new person. Now, if... so. Going further, you know, from there. Um, but if a person does not, um, um, has repetitive sin and all sorts of stuff, you know, there can be, you know, consequences of sin. Um, I, I had a family member died of lung cancer for smoking. Was it a sin to smoke? You tell me. But there was a consequence for his smoking. <laughs> so like he had a consequence. Um, there are, there are almost direct ties to, um, some type of ailments due to some types of sin. Often that can be the case, not always the case. And, and the, that mindset that it was always because of something, because of someone opened the door for sin, um, 
that was the kind of the mindset of the day. You know, it's not a black and white rule whatsoever, uh, but there are consequences of sin. And that was, they were thinking in that age, everything was a consequence of sin. It's a fallen world. All sorts of crazy things can happen in this world. You know, so Jesus refuting a mindset that could be good, but it's what it was so black and white to everyone that, you know, he sinned or she sinned, or there must be some kind of evil in this house for this kind of awful thing to happen. And that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, this ailment, this blindness, is just so I can display my glory. <laughs> so, I mean, he refuted a false mindset. Um, elements of truth are almost always part of a false mindset. So there are elements of it that are completely true, but Jesus is refuting that mindset with this statement. But he's saying, this is so I can show my glory. And, and we'll see why he says that, because the words out of the guy's mouth are amazing. And he, and he says, I am the light of the world, and I must do work while I'm in this world. He spits on the ground, makes clay with his, uh, his spit, um, he anoints the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he says, wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went, washed, came back, seeing. Then as his neighbors and those who previously had seen him that he was blind said, is this not the man who sat and begged? This is he, they said. He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, how are your eyes open? He answered, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Where is he? I don't know. And they brought him uh, who was formerly blind. And it was a Sabbath. Of course, that's a huge deal to the religious. The, the Pharisees asked him, who did this? And he said, Jesus. Um, Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he says not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? They said to the blind man, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him and that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him and they acknowledged that's who it is. And the parents were afraid and the parents wouldn't actually, you know, say who did it because they were just afraid. This is a long paragraph. Um, then they asked then they again called a man who was blind and said, give God glory. Because <laughs> um, we know this man is a sinner. And isn't it funny when the religious people say, give God glory. Okay, I will. You know, like, and he answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Is that not just amazing grace, the song, the story, all of it right there? Then they said to him again, what, what did he do to you? And they told him, he said, I told you already, you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? Oh, and they went crazy. And uh, we know that God spoke to Moses as this fellow. We don't know where he is from because we're Moses' disciples. The man answered, and this is so cool. This is where, like, like I said, the... The best evangelist is the one who just got saved because they're raw and they tell the truth and they're heartfelt. Uh, they, they probably don't have the greatest wisdom or tact, but sometimes they really need it. 
you know, sometimes you just, you got to combine zeal with, with absolute just heartfelt passion. And that's, that's where you, a new believer comes in and just, they're a believer, right? They haven't, they haven't had to put up with the religious and they haven't had to do, you know, all of the, they, they haven't had to go through the do's and don'ts and, and they don't care because they just got saved, right? All they care about is just telling the story of what just happened to them. And here he goes. John 9, 30. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does this, he hears them. Since the world began it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of anyone who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said, You were completely born in sin, and you are teaching us. And they cast him out. Jesus heard they cast him out. He said, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he? Jesus said, You have both seen him, and he is talking with you. Lord, I believe, he says. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world that that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind. And some of the Pharisees who were with them heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. (laughs) The book of John has a lot of those extra little back and forth and it's it's, uh, it's fascinating because some of the other books don't have it. Uh, so Jesus gets this. Uh, we get a different perspective with John going the back and forth. Um, there's a lot going on here. I just love this guy and what he says. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of the one who was born blind. Just chew on that. It was the first time in world history of this miracle is not the power of God present. How could they deny it? It just tells you that these Pharisees who care so much about their Sunday healing, or sorry, their Saturday Sabbath healing, that they are messed up. These are the guys that want to kill the Son of God. And it tells me that they are quite demonized, and it's quite terrifying that you have uh, these religious leaders that want to kill Jesus, and they w- they won't believe, they just won't listen, and their heart gets so hard, uh, they would do terrible things, and they only listen to what they want to hear. To conclude this episode, a message to kings, uh, we go to John ten, uh, and he's he's still in Jerusalem, it's still the tabernacles, and after this he's going to head back, but. Um, Jesus, he kind of piggybacks on that last little dialogue he had with the Pharisees about being blind. Um, But now we're talking about hearing. And he says that I am the good shepherd. And and it's really beautiful when when you think about the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep, but a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. And, and, he, and he speaks to this. I mean, it's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, and it's beautiful. 
you know, have to imagine he's probably standing at the sheep gate, you know, in, <laughs> in Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus just kind of walks around. He's like, I remember this. Let me tell a story. Um, or he says, I am this, because everything points to Jesus. You know, that's how it works. Um, it doesn't say he's at the sheep gate, but perhaps he was. And But there are some just unbelievable things that are stated here. And, and this is where it mentioned that he, he lays down his life uh, when he when he chooses to, um, even about the sheep, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And he says, I am the door. And then he says, I'm the door here. Uh, I think we talked about at some point um, all the places where he says, I am. Um, but most importantly, it's John 10 to but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. My sheep hear my voice. Isn't that the essential of all relationship? to hear God's voice, to know you have a relationship with God. <laughs> it's quite remarkable when you think about the simplicity of having two ears, one mouth. You should listen twice as much as you talk. Our prayer life should be a conversation with God. Why? Because Jesus said it should be one. My sheep hear my voice. I love the manifestations, and John 14 says he'll manifest himself to those who love him. There's a Bible miniseries who had just Peter turns around. He's af after he's dead and raised and gone to heaven. Jesus just shows up and says, hey, Peter, you know, like, <laughs> I love it. I think it's just astounding. Um, the Old Testament stories, how um, he shows up to a prophet um, or one of the judges and and it says, uh, Angel of God, capital A. Uh, and the description sometimes even seems like Jesus in the flesh. He walked with Adam in the garden. How do you walk if you're not a man? You know, like, <laughs> there's so much going on. It's exciting. Um, but sometimes you just got to listen. When I first got married to Janelle, she um, she'd tell me I, was off. I wasn't listening to her. And... <laughs> I wasn't, you know, because I didn't know how to listen. I, I wasn't a very good listener. Um, five kids later, I, I'm definitely a much better listener. Um, in our relationship with God, we, we should hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. Jesus said it. If you don't hear God's voice, ask him, listen, have a dialogue, create a prayer book, um, write down your prayers and see how he answers them. Ask for him to speak to you. Ask for him to talk to you. Um, create a dialogue. Ask him to speak to you. In a, he, he can speak a million different ways too, right? But it says, my sheep hear my voice, which means we should have a conversation with God. You should grow in your relationship by reading your Bible. You should read and grow in your relationship with prayer. But I like to suggest a third one. You should grow in your 
um, or third and fourth, I guess, you grow in your relationship um, through others in your church. But four, you should grow in your relationship by having a conversation. Sometimes we think, uh, you know, prayer is to be some spiritual thing, but prayer really is just a conversation with God. Having a conversation, asking him questions and listening and writing down what he actually says. And if you're not doing that, I would encourage you, find the place where you hear him best. When I go on a walk, I hear from God quite well. Um, others in the bedroom right before bed. Um, others uh, when they pray, when they pray in their closet. Uh, others early in the morning. Whatever works for you, go find God. Have a conversation with him because if you doubt me on this one, read it again. It says, my sheep, hear my voice. Um, and he's calling out to us. He's opening up our eyes. Those who are blind will see. Those who are deaf will hear. And Jesus even said in Matthew 5, the pure in heart will see God. Um, also, another prayer that we would see is, um, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. It's all through the Bible. Um, God wants to talk to you. Um, and I want to encourage you. And, you know, we're talking about getting self, self saved and repenting of sins and all this. But the super, super basics um, of the Christian walk is to have conversations with God. Um, quit thinking it's so complex. My sheep hear my voice. Ask him questions. Listen. Uh, I mean, listen. Talk to God like you never have before. Grow in your relationship with him. And if you have questions, email us, you know, get in touch with us, and we'll try to help you with that. I mean, um, the Lord wants to grow in his, um, <laughs> the Lord wants to grow. He, he desires for you to know him more and more and to have a hunger for him more and more, and that comes through relationship. Talk to God, and he will answer. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Please make sure to subscribe, like, review, or share your podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Check out the website, messagetokings.com, or feel free to contact us at messagetokings at gmail.com.